Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay, as mentioned on the last podcast, there's going to be a bit of a pivot happening here. For as long as the NHL is on pause, we obviously won't be talking about games and news specific to the Maple Leafs, and we'll instead be monitoring and keeping folks up to date on what's happening with the coronavirus and as that relates to the NHL. Uh, Admittedly, we don't really know what that's going to look like. All experts say that it's going to get worse before it gets better, so I'm not sure there will be much positive news coming out or anything else to say other than, you know, player X has been diagnosed with the infection. Uh, And that soon might get tired and sort of needless, but our job is to keep you informed and hopefully we'll find you, find a way to bring some entertainment to you. Whether we start rewatching old Leaf games and arguing about goaltending in those games, or we just look back and talk a little bit more about this current Leaf season. Uh, But we're going to do that when the timing feels right. Mike, do you have anything to add to my little disclaimer to start here? Just get ready for a lot of Vesa Toscala talk for the next little bit because That'd be uh, that's, fantastic. How, that's how we're going to fill up the time in our bunkers. Okay, so uh, we're going to try to get to a variety of subjects as they come. Uh, it's probably maybe a little bit of a busy show of the current iteration of our show because, yeah, there was quite a few you know headlines that came out in the direct fallout of this. So I think we should start with Gary <laughs> Bettman and just sort of first touch on how he's handled this situation. Mike, you want to lead off there? I think he's handled it, like, this is a, a shocking way of putting it, but I think, he, you know, he's handled it relatively well. I mean, there was that little sort of delay waiting until the morning to, to really get into things after the NBA suspended their season. But then again, you know, this is a billion-dollar industry. We can't really comment on stuff like that. Uh, we don't know all the logistics behind it. I think he's handled it really well. I think he, um, he was really optimistic. He spoke, uh, I think, yesterday, um, and he was really optimistic which uh, is both good and a little interesting because he's probably one of the more optimistic uh, tones we've heard on this whole coronavirus thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the other day he was he, he, he said, or at least Gary Batman did say to the media, he hopes the Stanley Cup is awarded this year. Um, that, ad- that adds a lot of questions to this because then we go, okay, well, does that mean, like, what does that mean for stopping the regular season? Like, does we, do we stop the regular season and go right into the playoffs? Um, like we like we kind of discussed on the last podcast, do they play out a little bit more? Like, is there because he's also so a lot of the things he said as well. Sorry to jump around here a bit, but there's a lot. Um, one of the things he said as well is that he said the hope is to award the Stanley Cup this year, and also he's expecting next season to be a normal season. So if we take those two statements independent of each other, that kind of means that he's expecting to award the st- the cup this year, but also have next season start in normal early October as usual. So there's a lot of gray area in between here of, you know, 
there has to be a certain amount of, of days for an offseason. That means there's there has to be a certain set time for a draft combine, for a draft, for free agency, for free agency moratorium period, all these kind of things. You know, they have to set a they have to set a salary cap for next year before they can do that. How much is that going to be impacted by all this? Everything's going to be last minute. It's extremely kind of jumbled, and I guess our job is to kind of try and figure figure that out. But uh, yeah, I think he's. I think in terms of a PR standpoint, he's handled it well because he's put on a brave face. He's been optimistic, but also realistic. But there are a lot of questions here. Yeah, essentially, with those two statements, he said that he's basically said that they're willing to make concessions this season and deal with you know the situation and acknowledge that it's not going to be you know a fair regular season or the postseason that we've become accustomed to. But he also said that next season is not going to be affected by this. So they're they're going to treat these two matters independently. This season is going to be affected. And ideally, if things get sorted out here in the next little bit, that they're going to be able to go on with next season uh, and sort of put this entire situation behind them. Obviously, uh, that might be a little unrealistic as well because we just don't know what's going to happen here. But I agree with you. I think he's handled the situation actually really well. Uh, according to reports, he told, not asked the owners that the league was getting shut down, delivering on a, the apparent promise that if one player was tested positive across all leagues, that he was going to be making that decision. Uh, he's done a couple interviews with the NHL's broadcast partners, and he's been pretty calm and honest with the situation. I think you're right. He might be a little unreal, unrealistic with you know his return to play, uh, but he's confident that they're going to find a way to continue competition that the Stanley Cup will be a, a, uh, awarded at some point. When you compare him to, let's say, the UFC's Dana White, I mean, it's not even close. Uh, he's sort of, I think he's done everything as good as the NBA. And if you're, if you're not like lagging behind the NBA in any way, then you're doing all right. So I think Bettman, the way he's handled this, there's been a calmness to, to, with which he's approached this situation. And I think that uh, uh, because of that, he's doing a pretty good job right now. Comparing anyone to the way that Dana White has handled this is is an like that's the lowest bar imaginable. That like yes. how he literally thinks he's tougher than the virus. Yes. And the UFC is like half of your job is to hug another dude shirtless while you're bleeding. So maybe not the most sanitary. It's no. a biohazard even outside of a pandemic. So yeah, but that's another topic. I, yeah, I I hundred percent agree. Like he he if you're if you're following the NBA's lead, you're usually doing things right and the NHL is following the NBA's lead. They haven't made any, you know, other than the uh, other than the Stanley Cup will be awarded this year. I mean, they haven't really made any crazy unrealistic promises, which I think is another pitfall they could have done, is they could have been like, everything's going to be back to normal. This will be fine. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. No, they've left a lot of kind of like room, but they've also left fans, like the message is so important during a time like this. Everyone's freaking out. Um, there's a reason why we're doing this, you know, miles away from each other because we're in a very scary time. And if a guy like Gary Bettman is going to come out and put on a brave face and be realistic, but also not fearmonger, that's a really good thing. That that's that's what a leader should do, and it's good that he's stepping up and acting like a leader like this. So one thing that Gary Bettman did mention, I believe it was on Hockey Central, is that they've sort of defined and did not share sort of a drop-dead date on the season. So the last day of competition possible. And then they've been modeling different situations and and working their way back <laughs> from that uh, time frame. Uh, Bob McKenzie's reported that if normalcy is restored, quote, uh, in the next few months, that hockey in July is possible. So it looks like, I think the, the guess would be that if the Olympics is happening, they don't want to overlap with the Olympics, and that's going to happen in late July. So I think that's we should be assuming the drop-dead date is around there. 
And then obviously they're expecting next season to be a normal season. So that gives us, you know, there might be a six week break between hockey, which is obviously not ideal for everyone. Uh, but they are getting a break now or at least is some that even sort allowed? of pause. Which, what's like, that? Like a six week break of between hockey. Is that even like legal? Well, I guess That's the thing healthy. is the whole thing is being collectively bargained, right? I mean, th- I guess you could say that the, the break is happening now, but really they're it's not the same break they can't you know go on vacations they can't stop training they can't you know put themselves in a position where they're getting themselves out of shape because they have to be ready to go uh whenever they're called upon so this is going to put a little bit more stress i guess on the players who who are clearly not going to get the same break that they normally do um but i mean do you see a problem with them going to late july like is i i feel like yeah, it's not ideal, but what else are they going to do? It's definitely not ideal. And, and if that's what has to happen, that's what has to happen. But I think also like we have to take into, into account the weather climate in some of these places. I mean, although we're in a rink with, you know, in a building, a sealed off building with air conditioning, like this is a very sort of granular thing to talk about. But if we're going to get in the minutiae, we might as well. There's going to be impact to ice quality if we get into July. I mean, like I, I covered the Calder Cup in Toronto, and that's Toronto in, in late June a couple of years ago, and they had to pump cold air into the arena. And even then, the ice was pretty choppy. And, uh, you know, it's never going to happen because of the Florida Panthers. But let's say the Florida Panthers go to the Cup final or le- Tampa Bay. Let's say Tampa Bay goes to the Cup final. It's very hot in Florida, especially in July. Like, how is that going to impact the way that they do things in an on ice thing? And as well, there's a lot of other leagues that are depending on this. Like the NHL is at the is sort of like the figurehead, but what happens, you know, if like what does the AHL then follow their 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 step in the ECHL? Because you can't really have an NHL the NHL playing without the AHL because teams are going to need like if a player gets injured, teams might be shorthanded. You know, you need like there's a reason why the AHL is a feeder system to the the NHL. You need to have that sort of safety net of of having reinforcements and people you can call up and put into games, or else games can't be played. Um, then there's ECHL on top of that. Uh, it's it's there's a lot of moving pieces here, um, and and logistically too. There's like the draft, the draft combine, we'll get all that. But yeah, I think that it's fine to play like hockey in July if that's what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. But there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things that go in with that. And having only a six like if you if we really do do the math here, having only a six week break between um, between uh, the season. And the next season, like between seasons, that's going to be really weird. That's going to be weird for free agency because there's a lot of logistics that go into that. Players are going to have to change, you know, complete locations. They're going to have to move to different cities, get their families settled, negotiate contracts. There's meetings involved in that. Um, I think it's a very, I think it's it's an it's it's an admirable um, uh, goal, but there's going to be a lot that goes into that to make it possible. Yeah, I think the 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 break or the lack of break between the two seasons is probably bigger a bigger deal than them playing in sort of warmer ranks. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be ideal. Maybe it's you know a workplace hazard in some respects, but they play in mid June. They mid they play in mid June now anyway. Or that's when the Stanley Cup is awarded. So uh, I think it's that's not ideal, obviously. But what's really not ideal and what's potentially uh, going to impact you know players in a certain ex- certain extent uh you know, i mean you look at the toronto raptors right now mark gasol a guy who played until late june and then j- jumped on board with the spanish national team and played all summer and it seemed like he's been basically hurt the entire year so yeah, you're going to be looking at a lot of players potentially who are just not able to 
to rest their bodies and put themselves in a position to get healthy for what is a grueling schedule in the NHL. Think about this scenario, for example. Um, let's say a, a, a player, uh, let's hypothetically, let's say it's Elias Pettersson, right? The, the, the Vancouver Canucks. The Vancouver Canucks make the Stanley Cup final. It's in late July. And let's say, you know, knock on wood, this never happens, but Elias Pettersson goes down with an injury. Let's say he, maybe not like an ACL, but something that's, that's very serious, a three-month recovery or something. And he, has, he is on an entry-level contract that has performance bonuses in it. So if you only have six weeks in between seasons, and, and the season starts six weeks later, he hasn't been given an appropriate amount of time to recover from that injury, which means that he won't be playing to start the season, which means that his games played will be impacted, which means that his then ability to hit performance bonuses and be paid will be impacted too. And then that becomes a player's association issue, and that can be followed with a grievance, and that can be, you know, yada, yada, yada. There are a lot of, like, we don't, that's one scenario. I'm sure there's a million other hypotheticals we can be thinking of, but, like, when it comes to us, this is not just like an offense. You can't just reopen it. Like this is a you know, there are hazards every single day in the NHL. There, this is a completely different kind of workplace. And if if a player gets hurt and isn't granted the actual time or the the requisite time to heal that they would have with a normal um, a normal off season, then and and they aren't able to play to start the next season that comes in six weeks, and they aren't able to then given the requisite opportunity to earn money or an extra money that's that's established in their SPC. I mean that that's a problem. So how is the NHL going to address that? I mean that's a big that's a big hurdle there. And and there's all the health impact. Like you said, Marcus Saul, he's been hurt all season because he played essentially 12 straight months of grueling basketball. So I mean, what's like there? There's again, there's so many different moving parts here, so many different pieces. Um, uh, this is going to be really interesting and and set a kind of a precedent moving forward and change the face of the league really and how they handle it. So just to put a bow on that, as much as Gary Bettman says that this will not affect next season. It's clear it's going to affect next season because there's going to be some repercussions to playing as long as they're going to play. Uh, the rest that these players are not going to get. It's just a it's just a reality that next year will be impacted by this, but maybe not from a scheduling standpoint. Uh, yeah. So let's move in now to what's going on right now. Apparently the NHL and NHLPA uh, sent a memo to the players uh, basically told them or instructed them for self-quarantine to allow us to be in the best position possible to assess next steps regarding the resumption of play. All informal workouts are suspended right now, and they're building up at least hopefully towards what will be a mini training camp. Now, all these players are supposed to be in their current markets or where they left off when this all was announced. Uh, there are some exceptions, I guess, players that are not playing in the same cities or their families have been given the opportunity. Um, but how how are players going to maintain a decent amount of shape? And is there do you have any ideas of what could happen to potentially keep everyone at least at a baseline level so that there isn't, you know, a two week training camp before the season starts again? I hope they all have Pelotons, you, you know, go. or, or P90X, you know, they get those bands going. It's good to go. Um, P90X uh, in the condo is, it's tough for, <laughs> tough for neighbors. <laughs> tough for the downstairs neighbors. That's yeah. for sure. Um, I, I have no idea. Like this is, this is crazy. Um, because then when you think about the mini training camp, I mean, that might be it's like that, that opens up a lot of liability. Like we have to look at this, like a lawyer, Gary, Gary Bettman's a lawyer, what is the liability of, you know, you being off for, let's say it's eight weeks that the NHL is off and you do what, a, a week long training camp and someone gets either hurt during the training camp or hurt 
right back coming from play because they're you know they they haven't been given enough time to come back and then that's you know can they file a grievance with that is that enough time and also if they have a training camp that then like they will have a training camp so that training camp which i didn't even think of until Bettman announced it when we were talking about the season before um that pushes back another at least another week or another couple days like that that pushes things back more the nhl's calendar is like a it's it's like a, a you know a jenga tower like if you take one part out of it then it completely kind of like takes the foundation out of a lot of other things like we've mentioned before if you push every every single week you push this calendar back there's an impact on the draft combine which is held at in buffalo i believe at key bank center which is where they play but what happens if there's a concert the next like if, if you have to do it a week late what happens if there's a concert scheduled at key bank center for that week then you have to push it back a week more do you have to go into a different place and then there's free agency and then there's the actual draft like it's it is crazy um to that point, though, like players are, uh, they definitely can't, at least from what I can tell, like, uh, do they have access to ice? Like the team's facilities aren't open, so are they just going to public rinks? But I'm sure public rinks are probably closed at this point. You apparently, know, so. apparently they're being advised against going to public rinks. There has been talk of like the practice facilities being opened uh, to, you know, like in a controlled way in which, you know, a couple players, maybe they're tested. I think that's the problem. Like, but a couple players can come in and out and everything is sterile and they find a way to uh, allow players to train and maybe to eat, maybe to get treatment without it being a big issue. But I think the big, that wouldn't be as much of a problem if they could afford and they can't afford, but if the society could afford to just have these players tested, you know, at sort of a reckless or at not even a reckless rate, but just at whatever rate they so choose. But the fact of the matter is that the public health units cannot afford that because the people that need testing are the people that are actually having symptoms and dealing with, you know, the actual, uh, or the actual affliction of this infection. So they can't just afford to continue, uh, testing players so that they can continue to practice. They have to be like just every other citizen and wait for their turn if needed to sort of go through the health process because it just puts too much stress on the health units in the area. So in an ideal world, yes, they could all get tested over and over again and they could live in this sterile environment and practice and eat and do everything that they needed to stay ready. But that's just not a reality. What they all need to do is change the team names to the Utah Jazz, and then they'll immediately get 56 tests right away that same night, and they'll be good to go. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That, but, but the difference is like there was an actual positive test, right? So they had to take those measures. They had to make sure that they could contain, you know, what happened to Rudy Gobert within as much as they could. But with no actual confirmed cases until they get a confirmed case, you can't just use up resources like that. So, I, I, I mean, the NBA obviously has money. They can, they can afford to make it happen. Uh, but all leagues can't just go and test everybody because that's, that is sort of negligent in a public sphere because p- 
people, real people need that, need those resources themselves. And it's not fair for NHL players to use all that up just because we want them to get back on the ice quicker. No, I know. I was, uh, I was making what some in the biz like to call a joke. Sorry. So. I'm, I'm on high <laughs> alert right now. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, it's yeah, this is a really weird time. Like it, you know, the, the, thankfully we've seen, you know, that's ho- hopefully at least in some cases, and this is not, you know, all cases, but the Raptors, for example, they got tested last night and they all came back clean, despite the fact that uh, Serge Ibaka kissed the ball that they were playing against the Utah Jazz. And it's honest, and, honestly what? somewhat surprising because yeah, I was shocked of, all by the, that. of all the contact, all the overlap, them obviously playing a full contact, not a full contact game, but a contact game, a contact sport. And for that not to have been transmitted is... Uh, I mean, it's 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 very important, obviously, and we're thankful that they didn't. But it's it's kind of surprising with the the sort of rate in which that this infection can be passed along, or at least we've been told that it like it it's it was a full contact sport because OG and Obi straight up fought Rudy Gobert during that game. It's true. So I guess their immune systems also have elite defense. I don't know. <laughs> there you go, another joke. Yeah, boom. I'll, hey, look. I'll, I'll throw one in eventually. Levity. I'll throw one in eventually. Yeah, we need some levity. Come on. Okay. Well, our our last segment here should, you know, maybe be half fun or enjoyable because uh, basically we're seeing a lot of teams and players and athletes and everybody show their true colors. And there's been a bit of a naughty and nice list with the, I guess, the way that teams and players and people are handling or treating uh the people that work in these arenas and are dependent on games happening to make their own living. So I have those up. Do you want me to read them? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so the let's start with the nice list because the nice list is unfortunately shorter. But the nice list is people who have covered the owners of NHL teams who have covered the the salaries of their part time employees. At least, like I think I think the minimum for these people is that it's thirty days. But some have said like just until we start playing again. So uh, it's the Anaheim Ducks, Harry Sam- Samueli, um, D- Dallas Stars, Tom Galliardi, uh, Detroit Red Wings, Chris Illich, Florida Panthers, Vincent Viola, National Predators, the ownership group um, uh, has, has agreed to do that. Devils, Joshua Harris, Flyers, Brian L. Roberts, Penguins, Ronald Burke, San Jose Sharks, Hassel Plattner, Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, Jeff Vinnick, and the Leafs with Larry Tannenbaum um, have, have agreed to cover all MLC part-time employees and arena staff uh, to do that. And also the Washington Capitals, Ted Leonsis. And so interesting on that list, and this is going to be part of our conversation, I guess, is that uh, a, a good 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 of those 12 um, teams, uh, 10 of them are owned by billionaires. And so those billionaires are putting their um, their funds to good use. This is exactly what teams should be doing. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's great for them. The naughty list, unfortunately, is much longer. And I think we should get into that. So it's Arizona Coyotes are not. So these are the teams that are not at least uh, as of today um, have not uh, have not agreed or put together a program to pay the, their arena staff, despite the fact that games are canceled. So it's the Coyotes, Bruins, Sabres, Flames, Hurricanes, Blackhawks. Avalanche, Oilers, Kings, Wild, Canadians, Islanders, Rangers, Senators, Blues, Canucks, Knights, Golden Knights, and Jets. That is a long list. And one, despite like one team name is too many, that is 18, I believe. That is, uh, that's too long of a list. Now, it's probably too early to put all of them on blast because they might be going through the proper precautions to get to that point where they're giving some compensation to the people that deserve and need some compensation. Uh, But there are teams that have come forward and said that they're, you know, just basically shrugging and saying, without games, we're not going to pay people to, you know, 
that were going to be working at those games and making money from those games. So who are those teams that have come forward and not and said that they're not going to pay part-time employees for what would be future services? Yeah, so I don't like that's a good point. I'm glad you you specified that um, that you know this is an ongoing situation, obviously. So there are teams who are in the midst of putting together a plan. We just haven't heard of it, and and the Canucks, for example, have been uh, like it was reported yesterday that they are in the middle of, of putting together that plan. People were kind of blasting them on Twitter, and then a reporter was like, "No, they just haven't made it public, so relax." But these are teams like so to, uh, in the last couple of days, at least two teams. Fortunately, they're both Canadian teams. Um, that have uh, that have come out and said they're not paying, they're not going to be doing that. So the first one was uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they said they they will not be um, doing that, which it, it, I have no idea why. And uh, Mark Chipman, their owner, is worth mm-hmm. five hundred million dollars. It'd be a shame if he has to, you know, let's say all the salaries add up to one million. It'd be a shame if he only is left with four hundred and ninety nine million. That'd be a tragedy. So you can definitely understand that. Um, I think the worst one, though, the worst offenders, and this happened this morning, and they are currently being, uh, like, absolutely murdered online right now, is the Calgary Flames. Calgary Flames are not are saying they are not going to pay um, their, their part-time staff. They are not going to pay uh, these people. And uh, their owner, I believe, is uh, Anne-Marie Edwards, and he's worth something around $3 billion. That's his net worth. And he's saying he's not going to he's not going to pay. And the the best part, not the best part, the most the richest part of all this no pun is intended. that. Pardon? I said no pun intended. Yes. Uh, you know what? Pun intended. Pun okay. fully intended. Here, <laughs> um, is that uh, the Calgary Flames uh, just built a new arena, new arena complex in downtown or they are not built, but they they pledged money. To they, do got that. The money. And yep, right. they got the money. And uh, they got the money. You know these hard-strapped, you know economically challenged, uh, this economically challenged team with their three billion dollar worth owner is using two hundred and ninety million dollars of Calgary taxpayer money to fund this, um, and and uh, they, which is outrageous in its own right, and that's a different discussion. But they cited why they needed that because it will it will help you know increase jobs, it'll help the economy, it'll help kind of kind of you know stimulate Calgary's local workforce by creating jobs. And yet the second one. These these workers in this economy and these people who will make them this money and they're using and they who are or whose funds they're using to build and further their own financial interests need them. They bail. Um, mm-hmm. They deserve every in my mind, at least. And this is an ongoing situation. I bet I have a feeling they'll probably recant because they're realizing that this is the worst PR nightmare on planet Earth for them. But uh, they deserve every bit of flack they they're getting right now and they deserve every bit of flack they get. Until they until they offer this program, and then even a little bit after that, because of just how long they waited. History remembers this. People are not going to forget this. People are not going to forget the fact that they cried poor and asked for public money to build their arena, and then when that same public needed them, they decided to turn their backs on them. People are not going to forget that, and I hope that uh, history doesn't either. Worse on the flames for the for the reasons you outlined, but also they took a little bit more time. Like the Winnipeg Jets, sort of right away, it seemed like we're dealing with this, and they and they just you know maybe they hadn't fully fleshed out the what they should have uh, from you know just t- taking account everyone's everyone's situation and what's going on and what other teams are doing. Uh, and and you mentioned the ability to recant. I would not be surprised if they sort of rethought their. Um, their stance on this and, and change things as just as you mentioned, but the Calgary Flames had time to think about this. It seems like they had time to make a decision, and they made obviously uh, the wrong decision because, from a financial standpoint, 
yeah, it hurts everyone, but it hurts the people that depend on these games just to get by so much more, even if more money is being taken out of the pockets of the owner in terms of like total amount. Uh, thankfully, which one's, which one's worse? Hold on. Before we move on, which one's worse is immediately, immediately going out and saying, we're not paying these guys or like taking the time to go in your bunker and think about it and then still going, we're not paying these guys. I think it's definitely taking the time to think about it to be honest, because right away, you know, there's, there's emotion. You're realizing you're going to have tough discussions with, you know, investors, whatever sponsorships, and you're, and you're dealing with a mini crisis yourself right now in the moment. And it's very emotional, but to go back to see a guy like Mark Cuban, uh, put forth this plan to get everyone taken care of, to see all these different organizations follow suit, and then to just go the other way entirely. Uh, it, it just, it seems much worse to me at least. Yeah, and Mark Cuban did that right away. Like, literally the night that the NBA season was suspended, he immediately, like, unprovoked from even a reporter, was on a podium and was saying, we are going to work and put together a plan so our part-time and, and, uh, our part-time and arena staff are going to be paid. Like, he get, that, that, that's great. Exactly. He gets it, and so do many of the players. Uh, we learned on Friday that the players will indeed receive their final three pay slips for the year. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that was honestly a question, but uh, they're going to get paid for, you know, the rest of the season without any problem. And some of those players, one being Sergei Bobrovsky, will use some of that money, uh, and he's earning a lot of that money to try and take care of those who will be severely impacted, as we just mentioned. He's going to give 100000 of his own money uh, to arena workers in Sunrise. Now, I prefer it to come from the owners for obvious reasons because they're the ones that stand to make uh, a lot of money all the time. There's a shelf life on a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky and it might be coming closer uh, than anyone really expected because he d- he's definitely not the player he once was, at least not this season. Uh, but it seems like this could cause a pretty positive domino effect. We even see a guy like Zion Williamson, 19 years old. He's a 19, saint. 19 years old, and he's gonna—he hasn't made a, all that money yet. He's made some money because he's got a shoe deal, I believe. But he's gonna take care of people in New Orleans, and the billionaire owner in in New Orleans is apparently gonna do nothing at least right now. So this has shone a pretty positive light on many players who are gonna take it upon themselves to take care of the people that take care of them. Uh, and again, I, it should come from people who have deep, deep pockets and ownership that you know can basically print money. Uh, certainly, when you have a player like Zion. Williamson, you're in a position to print money. Um, but these are pretty heartwarming stories, and I and I hope that we see a lot of them, and we can talk about them pretty much on every podcast here because they continue to pop up. It is pretty remarkable to see a 19-year-old like Zion Williamson, again, like you said, who hasn't even made all his money yet, to be more compassionate and thoughtful and forthcoming with uh, with his charitable mindset, I guess, uh, than a billion-dollar owner. They're like... He, Zion Williamson could go on a court tomorrow, tear his ACL, and never play again. Knock on wood. Gail Benson, who is the owner of uh, the Saints and of the, um, the Pelicans, is not going to even if 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 she tears her ACL, that's not going to impact her bottom line. So the fact that a 19-year-old rookie is going is coming out and standing up for the people who make that arena run, who allow him to play these games and allow his owner to make money. Is, is an unbelievably great story. It will change the legacy of Zion Williamson forever. It will change the legacy of all these players stepping up to, to do this. But it shouldn't come from the players. And the fact that it's coming from them, um, first and foremost, mostly, is it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's just embarrassing. Like, it's just these, these part-time workers help your business run. They allow you to make the money that you do. They allow you to host these events. And the fact that you're not taking care of them the fact like this is an unprecedented situation. This is a 
this is insane. A lot of these billionaire owners, again, like not this isn't a blanket statement for all of them. But a lot of these billionaire owners, they own these these hockey teams for tax write-offs. This is not a this is not a huge expense. These guys are worth multi-billion dollars, and they are majority owners in in these teams. They're not even full 100% owners of these teams. Guys like Jeremy Jacobs, for example, the guy's worth 4.6 billion dollars. He owns the Bruins, and the Bruins rake in a crap ton of money every year. They're one of the most popular teams broadcast wise merchandise wise you know they play they play deep into june which means they get all that playoff gate revenue just for themselves the fact that you cannot spare to help these people who are might be taking care of families taking care of themselves taking care of of sick loved ones it's it's despicable so it's really nice to see the players stepping up and giving and and helping out the people who allow their jobs to continue and work and hopefully that at least the, one of the great things about social media, great and like double edged sword, but can be used well here is the sense of public shame. And I think by the players stepping up and galvanizing people on social media, on Twitter, it can maybe shame some of these people to open up their pocketbooks a bit and d- dole out an amount of money that will not really hurt them at all. Unfortunately, uh, I would I would argue that many of them don't care. And even though there's probably there's only a month left in the season, at least in the NHL. So we're talking about like what, maybe six, seven, excuse me, six, seven dates, just basically six, seven shifts for these part time workers. That doesn't seem like it should be a whole lot of money for these, especially for people who basically nothing. (coughs) Sorry, I'm okay. Uh Oh, (coughs) you might have to take care. That's why. Oh no, Justin's going down. Justin's going down. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, no, one hundred percent. Yeah, this is. Yeah, the season's not like. Think about how much time is left in the regular season. Like we're, it's it's not like they're paying an entire season's worth of salary. This is a couple shifts. This is like they're they're what a max amount of maybe three shifts a week. Like that's max because these are home home events. But also there are these workers who work concerts and different arenas and stuff. Think like that's these are part time employees. These are not full-time employees. You're not just paying an entire work staff full-time wages for for no work just out of your own pocket. These are part-time employees who work paycheck to paycheck. And the fact that you are not helping them out, even at the drop of a hat, the fact that you have to be shamed into it, because I have a feeling a lot of these people are going to realize that the PR hit that they're taking is not is not going to be worth you know, the financial, whatever the, the financial investment it is to pay these people. But the fact that it wasn't your first instinct, the fact that you weren't Mark Cuban who immediately said, we're putting together a program. And it's a program too. It's not even like you're just handing a blank check. It's we're putting together a program to help people. It shows care. And the, and if you, the fact that that you know, wasn't your first instinct really goes to show exactly what your real priorities are. And people are not going to forget that. That is one thing. Twitter and, and, and social media, receipts are king. People are not going to forget this at all, and they as they shouldn't. This this is going to change the legacy of, or how the perception the perception of the Calgary Flames, for example, or the Winnipeg Jets. That really is because Winnipeg is this <coughs> local small town community that was excited and elated with Mark Chipman for bringing back his hockey team to them. The fact that he kind of turned their backs on them in, in a moment of unprecedented crisis in the world, they're not going to forget that. And neither are the taxpayers who are funding two hundred million, two hundred ninety million dollars of the Calgary Flames Arena will either so this is this is a conversation um that is going to be had for a while on twitter it's one that needs to be had and hopefully it has positive uh repercussions all right mike i'm gonna let you uh wrap up the show because i don't want to have another coughing fit i swear i'm doing home renovations and there's a lot of dust in here not sure. that i not you know it's a good thing we're in separate areas i guess <laughs> social distancing baby i'll let you wrap it up we're gonna be back on monday uh and mike will do his sign off once he gives you any other information that he has to give you
Yeah, so essentially how we're going with this um, is that uh, at least for the time being, we'll do in quotations daily uh, podcasts. It's essentially we'll, we'll be updating the situation as it unfolds. Some days there will be no new news, so maybe we won't do a podcast then. But our aim for the time being moving forward a little uh, in, in this brief period is to do daily stuff. And it's not all going to be serious and talking about, you know, coronavirus and COVID-19 and stuff. We will if there's ever a lull or people need an escape, we will have some fun stuff coming. Like Justin said, we might be doing we might be doing some old Leaf game rewatchable. Uh, where we you know watch some old Leafs games, talk about it, break it down, reminisce about how we used to think that Luca Caputi was going to be a big deal or Vesa Toscala let. We might even do, I think we should do one of the first ones, the Vesa Toscala 198-foot goal. That'd be fun. You know, just some uplifting stuff for everyone. And then we might do some other fun, you know, sort of special novelty specialty pods, some, you know, ranking the top five, whatever the Leafs. It'll be fun. It's some good, it's some good sort of escapism because I think, I, I know personally I need one. I can, I'm sure you do too and I'm sure everyone else does. So yeah, we're, we're gonna be we're gonna be you know coming at you hard uh for the next little bit and hopefully uh you'll join us and and allow us into your bunker with you bye mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market